have a copy of God's Word this morning, go with me to the book of Genesis, the 15th chapter, verse 7 through verse 21. I want to talk about assurance this morning. Assurance. We are people who need assurance. We all want assurance. We all look for assurance. We long for assurance. Not just when it comes to eternal things, but even in earthly things, we want assurance. You buy an insurance policy, you want to have some assurance that they're going to do what they say they do before you sign on the dotted line. We, that, that's just what we, we want. We want safety and security. And so today we're going to talk about the assurance that God gives us. Genesis 15, verse 7 to verse 21. And he said to him, in the first he there refers to God, God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, you shall be buried in the good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Riphium, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Again, we're so glad to be in your house today and we're so thankful that we can come before you in prayer and that we have the opportunity to hear your word today. And I pray this morning that you would touch my life and help me to say those things that need to be said, help me to say no more, no less than what you want spoken in this place. I ask God for your help. I'm just a vessel of clay and so I ask God for your help. I'm weak and powerless without you. So God, touch me today. Anoint me once again and use me for your glory and your honor. And I pray today that you open the hearts of the people to receive. And I pray today that you give assurance and comfort to your people in doing their lives what only you can do. And Father, we will bless you and honor you for all that's accomplished in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You can be seated. Assurance. A man and his wife went to a marriage counselor. They were having some issues in their marriage. And when the counselor asked what the problem was, the woman cried out saying, My husband never tells me that he loves me. So the counselor, he looked over at the husband and the husband replied with these words, I told her that 20 years ago and I haven't changed my mind. Now that's a little funny, but how many know that wouldn't work for most of us? If we told our spouse, I love you on the day we said I do and never said it again, that wouldn't work for most of us. You see, even though we know that we are loved, it's good to hear it over and over again, is it not? 
Even though you know your spouse and your family loves you, it's good to hear them say those words time and time again, I love you. You see, with the uncertainties of life, we need to be assured time and again that we are loved so that we can feel secure in our relationships. Well, I believe the same thing is true spiritually. We know that God loves us and that nothing can separate us from His love, but we want to know and we want to be assured that He loves us. We want to hear it over and over again. When things don't seem to be going as we had hoped and when prayers don't seem to be answered, we want assurance that God is there, that He is for us, and that His promises will be fulfilled. Well, as we come to our passage today, you would think that a man of faith such as Abraham wouldn't need God's assurance. But we find out in this text that he's still looking for assurance. That even though he had believed God's promise to give him a son and he was counted as righteous, he's still asking God, what about the land that you've promised to give me and my descendants? He's still struggling to believe the promise of God. Look there again at verse 7 and verse 8. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And notice verse 8, but he, referring to Abraham, said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He's still wanting assurance. He's still wanting to know that God's going to do what He said He would do. In verses 9 through 21, we see that God establishes a covenant with Abraham to assure him that the promise is going to be fulfilled concerning the inheritance of the land. And I believe that from these verses we can learn this simple statement, this simple truth, that God wants believers to feel assured about His promises. God wants you and I to know today that we can take Him at His word, that we can trust Him to do everything that He said He would do. You see, this is especially true when it comes to God's promise of eternal life to those who believe in Jesus Christ. You see, if you have believed in Jesus as your sin bearer and as your redeemer and as your savior, just like Abraham did in verse 6, God wants us to know that we can have assurance about our standing before Him. You see, I've seen Christians my entire life that I've been in church and been serving in ministry that they struggle with whether or not they're going to heaven. They know they prayed a prayer and they know they put their faith in Jesus but they're up and down and they're wishy-washy and they never really have assurance if they are saved and on their way to heaven. So this morning I want to explain the assurance that God gives to us as we look here at the story of Abraham. I've got one main point today and it's simply this. Assurance rests on God's promise, not on our performance. Assurance rests on God's promise, not on our performance. You will notice in this passage that God is the one who initiated and established the covenant with Abraham. In other words, this covenant wasn't Abraham's idea, it was God's idea. This was a unilateral covenant, meaning it was dependent on God alone. All Abraham had to do and could do was receive what God had provided him. You will notice that Abraham, he killed the animals, laid them on the ground, spent the rest of the day fighting off the birds of prey that were attracted to the flesh and blood. And when the sun went down, Abraham fell into a deep sleep and God appeared to him and spoke to him. You'll notice that it was God who made promises to Abraham, not Abraham who made promises to God. And again, all of this took place while Abraham was asleep. 
Abraham didn't do anything. He, he, he's asleep and he's apparently getting a vision from God about what God's going to do for him and through him and through his family. Abraham did nothing but accept and receive what God was giving to him. And I say it this way, there were no conditions or strings attached. The covenant of grace came from the generous heart of God. And I want you to hear me well this morning. Just as God gave Abram a graphic picture of his covenant and its ratification to assure him, he has given us a graphic picture of the new covenant he has made with us through Christ. You see, anytime we take of the Lord's Supper, those, those elements are a visual reminder that God has entered into a covenant with us and that He will keep His promise. Every time we take of the bread and drink of the cup, it points us back to the covenant that God established with us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, God initiated this covenant by sending His Son to die for us. He chose us when we were dead in our trespasses and sin. He sealed us with the covenant of Christ's blood. And all we can do is receive by faith what He has done. Hear me well. Our assurance of salvation doesn't depend on our performance, but on God's promise. You see, if our salvation rests on our choice of God, how can you ever be sure of it? The reality is, you didn't choose God, God chose you. You didn't go looking for God until God came looking for you and drew you unto Himself. And you might say, well, Pastor, don't I have the responsibility to believe? Yes, you have the responsibility to believe, but do you realize the faith you have is not yours? It's the faith He gave you. You couldn't believe unless He helped you believe. That's why we say salvation is of the Lord. It's, it's God's idea, it's God's plan, not our plan, because here's the thing, we mess it up. We've done, we've done seen back in Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve, they messed it up. God came and corrected everything that they messed up. If God's, if our assurance rests on God's choice of us and on the finished work of Christ, we can be assured that what God began in us, He will perform and perfect it until the day of Jesus. What does that mean? That means God's still working on you. God's still working on me. That what God has begun in my life, God does not go and leave unfinished. Amen? And you might be here today saying, Preacher, I'm struggling with this sin. I'm struggling with this temptation. How, how, how could God love me and how could God accept me? It's because God gave a covenant and God gave a promise. And when you put your faith in Him, it seals it. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And if you didn't do anything to seal yourself, how can you unseal it? Now I know what somebody's thinking. Isn't there something we must do to have assurance? Yes. Just like Abraham, you believe God's promise. That's it. We trust in what God has said in His Word, not our own performance. Here's what Warren Wiersbe said in his commentary. He said, God's covenant with Abram stands no matter what Israel believes. The covenant is unconditional. Its fulfillment does not depend on man's faith or faithfulness. In like manner, the new covenant established by Jesus Christ is dependable whether people accept it or not. Those who put their faith in Jesus Christ enter into that covenant and receive eternal salvation and eternal inheritance and eternal glory. Do you understand what he just said? That when you put your faith in Jesus, God gives you eternal life. You have an eternal inheritance that is reserved in heaven for you. 
Can I tell you, you're going to make that reservation if you've put your faith in Jesus. It's being kept for you by the power of God. And so if you want to have a church of your salvation this morning, you have to trust God's promise. You can't look for a feeling, and you can't always trust how you live. You see, the reason some struggle with whether they're saved or not is because they want to feel saved. And I tell you, there are days I don't feel saved. And God never promised I'd feel anything. That's why he says we want by faith, not by sight. You see, our feelings are like a roller coaster. They're up and down and they're all over the place. You can't trust your feelings. But that's how so many people want to base their assurance and base whether or not they're going to heaven. I've got to feel something, preacher. I, I, I've, got to, I, I've got to have goosebumps. I've got to have a chill. I've got to have something to know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. But as, again, you're not always going to feel saved. Others base their, their, their assurance of salvation on how well they behave or how well they live. Well, again, you're not always going to behave like a Christian. In other words, you're not going to reach perfection this side of heaven. You're going to struggle. And if you live your entire life and base your assurance of heaven on how well you perform, here's what happens on your good days. You feel really good about yourself. But on your bad days when you hit those valleys and you hit those lows in life and you hadn't done everything you think you ought to do, you're going to struggle. Am I saved or not? why you can't base it on your performance. You have to base it on what God said in His Word. You have to base it on His promises. You see, there's those that think, well, if I pray today and read my Bible today, if I give to the church, then hey, I've got assurance of my salvation. But what happens if you struggle and miss prayer one day? What happens if you don't read your Bible one day? Can I tell you what most of us do is what I used to do. We beat ourselves up. Thinking that God doesn't love me anymore. That God's done with me now. And here's what some of you are thinking. Well, pastor, if I was a Christian and if I was on my way to heaven, why would I still be struggling with sin? Because you live in a sinful world you still got a sinful body. You've heard me say this before, that when you got saved, this flesh didn't get redeemed. You're still living in a physical body. And even though we're dead to sin, listen, that old man, the old woman wants to rise up sometimes and take control. That's why Paul says you're going to have to choose to walk in the flesh or walk in the Spirit. And if you'll walk in the Spirit, you won't give in to the desires of the flesh. You see, we, we struggle with sin. Read Romans 7. And I'll, I'll preach on it one day. But Paul struggled with sin. He says, I know the good I ought to do, but I don't do it. He said, in fact, I do the very thing I, I hate. How many can testify to that? But I, I, I know how I ought to live, Pastor. But sometimes I give in to my flesh. Listen, we all do it. There's no perfect person sitting in this place today. And if you're counting on perfection to have assurance, you'll struggle with it from now until you leave this world. That's why you have to trust in what God's said. You have to trust His promise. Here's how Paul put it in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. If you've done what Paul said, if you believe in your heart that He raised Christ from the dead, you confess Him with your mouth. He says you were justified and you are saved. And when you read it there, it's in the past tense, the meaning that it's, it's 
done. Do, do you see anything there about feeling anything? Does Paul mention there anything about having to behave a certain way in order to be saved? I, I believe I said this last week, but listen, you could stop all your sinning and still be lost. Because it's not in your performance. It's in your faith in God, faith in what He said. Believing Him. Now I do want to say this, believing in Jesus will change your behavior. But you've got to get the believing right first. Right living comes from right standing with God. When you are counted righteous and declared right in God's sight, it will affect you as the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and it will begin to change your life so that you begin to have different attitudes and different words begin to come out of your mouth and, and, and you won't struggle with so much of the things that you used to with. But here's the thing. There's still going to be days you struggle. And that's why you have to have assurance based on God's promise. That I've done what God's Word said. I believed in Jesus. I'm leaning on Jesus. I'm fully trusting in Him and not depending on myself. Let me, let me just say to, to some of you today that the reason you're struggling is because you're depending so much on what you can do rather than what Jesus has done for you. You're not resting in Him. And so you're working and striving and struggling, trying to earn brownie points with God, trying to get ahead and trying to get favor with Him. When God looks at you through, through Jesus' blood placed on your account, and He says, hey, you are right, even when you may not always live right. Because here's the thing, even if you don't carry certain actions out, we all have a mind and we think things we ought not to think. When that person cuts you off in traffic, that, that, that curse word might not come out of your mouth, but it probably ran across your mind. Well, guess what? God knows what ran across your mind. He knows our motives. And I said last week, how do you want to stand before God and Him allow you into heaven based on what you do or what Jesus did? I want to put my faith in what Jesus did. Because let me say that if, that if I could get in based on my performance, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. If I, listen, if, if the Jews could have kept the law, God wouldn't have sent His Son. See, Abraham, he, he's justified in God's sight 400 some years before the law ever shows up. And can I tell you, that's how God saves everybody. It's through faith in His promise. It's never based on your work. It's never based on what you do. It's always based entirely on faith in God. And we struggle with that. Because we have this idea that we're inherently good. I told you last week, we're not good. That's why Jesus had to come and be good for us. Amen? Aren't you glad that Jesus came? Live the life you couldn't live and when you simply believe in what He did, you can now have His life. You see, He left heaven so that we could go to heaven by simply trusting in Him. He came and, and took sin upon Himself so that we could have His righteousness imputed to us. You see, it took me a long time to ever get this. It took me a long time to ever understand this because... Like most of us, I grew up thinking that, hey, you've got to do this, you've got to dot all the I's, cross all the T's, and if you don't do it perfectly, God doesn't love you, God doesn't accept you. 
But in Christ I'm accepted. In Christ I am the beloved. In Christ I'm an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Why? Not because of what I do, but because what He did on the cross for me. And I simply take Him at His word and trust Him that by faith. And God now says, you are right in my sight. And we have no problem starting out that way. But the longer we hang around in Christianity and in church circles, we start reverting back to, i got to do something. Read the book of Galatians. That's what that's all about. The Judaizers are trying to tell them, hey, you can believe in Jesus, but you also need circumcision. Trying to add to it. Listen, you can't add to anything other than putting your faith in Christ. When you look at Abraham's life, you'll see that he lived his entire life based on what God said to him. He didn't have anything else but what God said to him. He trusted God's promise. The only thing that he could hold on to was the promise that God had given him. Let's read Romans 4, verse 18 to 25. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. Believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age he figured his body was as good as it, and so it was, and so was Sarah's room. Now let me just pause for a moment and say here now, when you get back to Genesis 15, he's asking God, how am I going to know? It seems like he's doubting. But here, here, here's the thing, here's what Abraham was essentially saying. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. He, he had faith in God. Verse 6 says he was counted righteous. But it was, it was like the father with the son. I, I, I believe, but, but help my unbelief. And we've all been there, haven't we? God, I believe, but help my unbelief because at times we all have doubts. Verse 20. Abraham never weighed in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, notice this. It wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous. How? If we believe in Him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. Let me me just say this. He didn't die for His sins. He died for our sins. And He was raised to life, what this? To make us right. Our entire walk, just like Abraham's entire walk with God, has to be based on faith in God's promise. It has to be based on what God has said in His Word. So let me ask you today, do you believe what God said in His Word? Do you believe when Paul writes that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that you're saved, do you believe that? Whoever believes will have eternal life and they shall never Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Well, if you can put your faith in Jesus and trust what God has... Listen, this is our covenant. This is our contract with God. His Word. And if we'll believe it, trust it, we'll have assurance. That means on our bad days and we're not performing well, I know what God has said and I know what I believe. When my feelings are all over the place and I don't feel like I'm a Christian... I go back to what God said in His Word. I believed in Jesus. Therefore, I am saved. That's how you have to live your life. 
Again, yes, your behavior is going to be reflected by, by your belief. Your belief changes your behavior. But you have to go back to God's Word on those days when you're struggling. Am I a Christian? Am I going to heaven? Go back to God's Word. What did He say? If you believe, you'll be counted righteous. That's how you have assurance. That's how you live the Christian life. Standing on the promises of God. We sang this morning, He's the protector of our soul. But I wonder how many of us struggle to actually believe what we say. We sing songs like Blessed Assurance, but yet we sit here in our pews sometimes and we don't have that assurance. If you want to have that assurance today, you've got to trust in God's promise. You've got to trust what He said and not what you do. I, it's only as we live by faith in God's promise that we can be assured of our salvation. And if you're here today and you're struggling with sin, well, let me just say, that's a good indication that you know God. You see, when I was lost, I didn't struggle with sin. I just went out and did it. All in, head over heels in it. I didn't struggle with right and wrong. As to whether or not, should should I not do this? I was going to do it, if given the opportunity. And you were like that too. I want to close this morning and let you know that God wants each and every one of us to have assurance of our salvation. God doesn't want you doubting and God doesn't want you wondering if you're saved and going to heaven. God wants you to know. 1 John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. John says we can know that we have eternal life. In other words, we don't have a hope so salvation, we have a no so salvation. And I can stand here today and I can emphatically and boldly declare to you, I know that I know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. And it's not because of how well I live. It's not because of how well I perform. It's because I believe what God has said. And God wants you to have that same assurance. And here's the thing, if you don't have that assurance today, I want to give you a couple of things to think about. First of all, you may have unconfessed sin in your life that's hindering you from having assurance because Hey, listen, if you are a child of God and you've got sin in your life, you're going to struggle with whether or not you're saved. You're going to have to confess it. Listen, our sins have separated us from God. You might be right in your standing with Him, but if there's sin in your life that you're, you're covering up, trying to hide, and not wanting to deal with it, listen, you're going to feel like you're lost. You're going to struggle with knowing you're saved. You're going to struggle with knowing that you're going to heaven. But if you'll confess, if you'll say, God, I, I, I've done this and I, 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 I've made this mistake and I, I, I've, I, I've cussed or I've went out and done this, if you'll get right in fellowship with God, He will bring peace and assurance to your life. That's what 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and forgive us of all unrighteousness. And you know, for many years, I, I, I would preach that verse that we've got to confess our sins and, 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 and do that for Him to cleanse us so we can be saved. Well, if you'll read the context, it's about fellowship with God. It's not about salvation. It's about fellowship with God. We're saved by faith in Jesus. If we want fellowship with God, we confess our sins and we turn from those things. But the initial step of being saved is faith in Jesus. 
And I know that some of you, you're trying to process all of this. Because sometimes we want to try to change our life before we're ever saved. Well, you can't change your life without His help. And if you could change your life and stop all of your sinning, you still wouldn't be right with God. You've got to believe in Jesus. So if you're here and you're struggling with assurance, you may have unconfessed sin in your life that you just need to bring before the Father and you need to confess it to Him. And I believe assurance and peace will come to you. You see, just because we're saved and secure in Christ doesn't mean we shouldn't practice repentance and confession. Repentance and confession should be an ongoing thing in our lives. That's the, listen, that's not to maintain salvation, it's to maintain intimacy and fellowship with God. But let me give you a second thing. If you're struggling with assurance, maybe you haven't fully trusted in Jesus as your Savior. Let me say it like this. You know about Him, but you don't really know Him. In other words, you've got it up here, but it's never come into here. See, there's going to be a lot of people, there was a sermon preached one time, missing heaven by 18 inches. This is about 18 inches from our minds down to where our heart is. There's going to be people who miss heaven by 18 inches. They get it in their head. They know about Him. They know all the facts. know all the doctrine. But it's never entered into their heart. They've never trusted. And it could be that you're here today and you, you think you're saved, but you're still struggling with assurance. Well, maybe you're not really saved. And I don't say that to try to cast doubt upon people's salvation because, listen, I told you this before, I can't confirm your salvation for you. You have to know that you know. And I believe that when you are saved, the Spirit of God will bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You'll have that firm assurance in your life that, hey, I, I am trusting in Jesus. I do know Him. I know, I know He's my Savior. And you've got to have that assurance. Because, listen, the only way you'll have assurance of heaven is to know you're not going to hell. And it comes through faith in Jesus. Let, let me just say, do you think God would want to save you and keep you doubting the rest of your life whether or not you're going? What kind of God would that be? That He sent His Son to die and shed His blood and now I, 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 I've confessed my faith in Him but now I've got to wander the rest of my life and I know I'm going to make it. What kind of God is that? God wants you to know that you know. But I can't tell you you're saved. Nobody else can tell you you're saved. You have to know it. And you might say, Preacher, are there really people sitting on pews who think they're saved and they're not? Absolutely. They're trusting in what they do. And they're going to miss heaven. Matthew 7 gives us a great illustration of that. There's going to be people that say, Hey, we've prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils. We've done many wonderful miracles. He's going to say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew. Never knew. They called him Lord. They professed him as Lord. Did great things for him. But I never knew you. Wouldn't it be a shame? Wouldn't it be sad to stand before God thinking that we've lived our entire lives going to heaven? Only hear him say, depart from me. I don't know. 
And it's going to happen to a lot of church people. It's going to happen to people who stand in the pulpit and open that Bible every week and give a message. It's going to happen to deacons and elders because they're living their life based on what they've done. Thinking that somehow they've earned merit with God. Listen, the only merit you have with God is whether or not you believed in Jesus. That's it. I'll say this, you've heard me say it before, I wouldn't trust the best 15 seconds of my life to get me into heaven. Because even on my best days, it's tainted by sin, and yours is too. And you might not like that, but here's the thing, if you're going to heaven, you're going because of Jesus and your faith in Him. Not because of anything you do, you don't add anything to it. And I'm going to keep pounding this over and over and over again that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. I want us to have assurance. And I believe that you can. Here's what 2 Peter 1.10, I've got two verses of Scripture, we'll close. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice practice these qualities... You will never fail. Do you, do you see that? Be diligent to make your calling and election sure. What's he saying? He said, you need to make sure that you know you're saved. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. We don't do that as church people. We think, I, I, I prayed a sinner's prayer. Listen, you can pray a sinner's prayer and still be lost. I know that's not popular. That's not going to go over well. But find me a sinner's prayer in the Bible. You okay. can't. Peter didn't say on the day of Pentecost, repeat these words after me. And if you really, really believe it, you'll be saved. He told them to repent. He told them to believe in Jesus. Never talked about walking the aisle of a church. The thief on the cross couldn't walk the aisle of a church. The thief on the cross is one of the greatest demonstrations of simply believing in Jesus. When you come into your kingdom, will you remember me? Simple faith. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. The man on the cross couldn't do anything. But just remember me. And here's the thing, if today, if the Spirit of God's convicting you, you could simply utter those same words, Jesus, would you remember me? I believe He'll remember you. Because it's not on what you do, it's not on what I do, it's on what Jesus has done for us. I live most of my entire Christian life trying to earn something that He gave me. Trying to be pleasing to Him because I thought, hey, this is going to make God proud and I'm going to get a higher standing with God. And in reality, it was just simply I believed in Jesus and He counted me righteous. And some of you today, you walked in here and you're struggling with whether or not you know Him and you've based your entire relationship on what you do. I'm here to let you know today Trust in what Jesus did. That's the only way you'll have assurance on your bad days, your good days. Just know I've trusted in Jesus. I've believed in Him. I've accepted Him. And because I've accepted Him, I am accepted. Amen?
So can we have assurance that we're saved? Yes. By trusting God's promise, not your performance. Would you stand with me? I want us to close with a song this morning. And as we do...